Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. This week, I'm joined by Kyle Cole Morgan. He's the founder and head brewer at Well Spent Brewing. He was an owner, but he isn't any longer, and he's loving that. He's going to explain why. We're going to get into the show in just a moment, but first, this episode is sponsored by Lawson's Finest Liquids, and joining me on the line is Sean Lawson. He's the namesake of the brewery, and this week, we're talking about specialty beer releases. Sean, what's coming up from the brewery in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, you know, the, the warmer seasons, as it were? Yes, John. I'm so excited about the summer's beers. Uh, we're bringing two beers that have never been available outside of Vermont. Uh, the first in July is a really fun beer called Hopsalot IPA. And those of you that are fish fans out there might know where <laughs> this name came from. But the origin story is uh, even more fun. Local Vermont band called The Grift uh, asked us to brew a beer for their 15th anniversary about seven years ago. And Hopsalot IPA is the result. It's a whirlwind tour of uh, eight hops from around the globe, uh, all fusing together in a just an amazing punch of flavor. Uh, coming later in the summer towards Labor Day and for the fall months is our Kiwi Double IPA. Fans have been uh, asking steadily and readily for us to bring this beer to distribution, and you'll be able to find it in cans and draft uh, this September. Also available over the summer, we're returning our favorite number eight in the Super Session series, and that features single hop uh, session IPA with mosaic, a very juicy uh, peach forward uh, session beer. It's great for the summer months, very thirst quenching. So I uh, can't wait to share all of those beers uh, with our fans out there. Uh, across our territory. So thanks for asking, John. Of course. Well, you're going to be back with us at the bottom of the show to talk more about some additional specialty releases. But in the meantime, I'll invite everybody to check out LawsonsFinest.com to learn more about these beers and all of your other beers. We're also sponsored by NZ Hops, the cooperative of master hop growers. They are a passionate collective of farms dedicated to innovation and sustainability. Leading the charge in sustainable farm practices, some NZ hop farms have over five generations of knowledge that inform their composting program used by growers to promote healthy, regenerative growth of hops year upon year. This creates high quality soil, a critical component of healthy growing conditions. At NZ hops, they feel that sustainability is not just being a steward for the land, but also for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nzhops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. We're also brought to you by Dragon's Milk White from New Holland Brewing Company. It reimagines what a stout can be. Your vessel will be filled with the color of gold, and yet there's something more to this white stout than meets the eye. Aged in bourbon barrels, Dragon's Milk White is smooth and velvety, abounding with notes of coffee, chocolate, and vanilla to present classic stout flavors in a delicious new way all in a sessionable 6% ABV package. Find Dragon's Milk White near you at dragonsmilk.com. Welcome to the show. Over the last few months, I've been occasionally drinking beers by well-spent brewing company in Missouri, and I've been impressed with each offering poured into a glass. Being naturally curious, I reached out to Kyle Cole Morgan to find out more about the beer, and soon stumbled into a story of passion, ownership, loss, and redemption. To quote Kyle, it's been short and expensive, but fun at least. 
I made a ton of mistakes and my business sense continues to be poor. So I'm glad Wellspent is in better hands ownership wise. When I was the brewer slash owner, I wasn't doing a great job at either. I'm happier as a brewer. So that's what this episode is in a nutshell. Kyle does a better job teasing it all out. So let's get right into it. He spoke to me from the brewery in St. Louis. I get to talk to a lot of brewers and that's the the perk of this job. And a lot of the time, the conversations like this are broadcast. And then other times it's just kind of shooting the shit in the background of what's it been like or what's going on. And in anticipation of this conversation with you, um, one of the phrases that that sort of comes up, especially over the last two years or so, is you know, oh, it's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down and up and down. And a lot of the times, it's just the same old thing that everybody else has been going through. It's 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 wary. It's uncertainty. Um, it's you know, can we can we make our bills or, or or what's it going to be? And roller coaster, I think, is collectively we've all been on it. In reading about you, I mean, you're you're on a totally different ride than the rest of us the, the these last couple of years and and i'm not trying to make light of the situation because i'm sure that there's a lot of frustration and heartbreak that uh went along with all of this and while i don't usually start the shows this way i i wonder if you'll sort of give us the story of well spent yeah so uh i was going to kind of start with with well spent i like quickly i was uh an uh, engineer in food and beverage for about 10 years. And in that time I was, you know, it's the same, same old story. I was homebrewing and had dream, you know, dreams of bigger things and put together a business, started putting together a business plan, you know, five or six years before we, before we opened. Um, and because I'm an engineer, I overthink everything. And uh, it took quite a while to like really, um, you know, just start on building a brewery, building, building well spent. And so my wife and I, uh, finally got there and we uh, really kicked things off in 2017 and opened officially in March of 2018. And uh, we're a little five barrel brewery and we have uh, 1,500 square feet, 2,000 square feet of, of people space with our you know, inside space and a patio space. Um, it really was just kind of meant to be what I saw on the West Coast in terms of uh, like Cellar Maker or even Hair the Dog or um, places like that were small and just you know, cranking out beer for the people that were there. Um, and that's what, that's what we wanted to do too. And um, we saw that working in St. Louis because there was just a lot of really great beer being made here and people really responded to it. So uh, we opened and we were um, doing pretty well. We uh, uh, had a good solid customer base, um, but uh, what we did have was kind of a support system. You know, my wife and I started the brewery by ourselves. Uh, she kept her full-time gig and really kind of stayed away from the brewery from a day-to-day operations perspective because she was doing she loves still do stuff she loves and allowed me to kind of just run the business and the brewery um, which is a lot it's a, it's a lot to take on and uh, yeah. it was to to me like it's it's too much for one person if you're going to be a, a business of this size where you really have to pay some major bills especially back to the bank and so um uh we you know, we kind of fought the good fight for about two years we we had a really good customer base like i said we were we're doing good business but it really wasn't good enough business to kind of make up for um, the big bank loans we had, honestly. Uh, so we closed in August of 2019 and um, put the brewery up for sale. Uh, we, uh, you know, we got to the point where um, we, you know, we're, you know, really 
pull money out of one pocket to put in the other pocket type thing. We were just yeah. you know, juggling bills and things and got to the point where we couldn't pay for our big things like uh, liquor licenses and stuff. <laughs> and those are things that, you know, you can't really kind of critical. Without. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we kind of saw it coming about six months into, you know, six months really into it. Uh, and then um, six months into being open, you saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been sooner than that, really, uh, because we, you know, it was. Uh, you said roller coaster earlier. It's kind of really a self-inflicted roller coaster. You know, I thought we could start off and sell as much beer as as other breweries in town were already selling. But what I didn't really account for was the fact that you know, there's there's a growth period there. There's time where it's not just time you're not opening. You're trying to get open. After you get open, you really have to you know, give people a reason to both come in and come back. Uh, and so even though we were doing pretty good business. We just couldn't dig ourselves out of that hole that we started that we dug ourselves really with um what kind of debt that we accrued before we before we opened just to get the place open. Um you know we No go ahead. Yeah I think that's that that was that you know that was the main thing. I, debt is not something that I mean just one is people you know aren't 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 comfortable talking about but it it doesn't get talked about enough in the um, in, in, in the beer circles, because when you're saying you're taking money out of one pocket to go into the other, I mean, that's been the model for a while of, okay, we need to be open on the weekends. We need to have some releases, like, you know, the new releases mean that we get to keep the lights on for, you know, another month and pay the bills and, 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 and kind of go from there. When you were putting the business plan together for this, and when you were thinking about this, like, did it actually match reality with what you thought it was going to do? Like, like when you look back now, I, I, I'm not calling this a mistake because, you know, it, it's, it's just life experience, but like, where didn't it sync up with what you thought it could do with what actually happened? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a chain of mistakes, not just one, one big one. It's kind of like more like lots of little ones. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, like I said, I, I took five or six years to build this business plan out and the main crux of the whole business plan was, you know, how much beer can you sell? You know, how much, you know, how, how many people do you think will come in and buy your beer? You know, and that's something you were on a five uh, barrel system. Yeah. Yeah. And we could, you know, like production, you know, I spent more time thinking about how much beer we could make versus how much, you know, beer we could sell, uh, and how, you know, how to actually do that, you know, um, cause over the, the five years previous to that, as we were building the business plan, we saw breweries, um, you know, from big to small, from Urban Chestnut, who's a very large brewery, has bigger aspirations to, you know, perennial uh, breweries like Civil Life. Um, they really just, uh, you know, they concentrate on the beer itself and uh, being kind of a, a community uh, place. And yeah. uh, we saw those places take off, you know? And so we thought we could kind of do the same. And, um, you know, it's, uh, by the time we got open, it was really something you can still do. You just really have to, um, give people a reason to come to your space instead of another. Uh, so uh, we you know, we didn't put a lot of thought behind marketing. I mean, our, our I think our brand's beautiful, and um, the person we got to kind of do our artwork who still does our artwork is uh, is fantastic. He gave us something a really good foundation of artwork. But we didn't really talk about you know we didn't really think about um, actively advertising, actively like getting people in the door and how we were going to do that. We just you know opened with honestly a lot of. Um, a lot of bravado that like, Hey, you know, if I just open these doors and, and make this beer that, you know, I think I know how to make that people will respond to that. Um, and they will, but you have to, you have to get them in first, you know? 
so that was the big crux of it. You know, we uh, uh, we we had a kind of an upward slope of of people coming in and doing better and better business. And you know, as as we got, you know, as we figured out Instagram, as we figured out events, as we figured out these little things, uh, we got to a place where we could have been pretty comfortable. But you know, you start with that, like I said, the hole, the the death hole that you that you start with. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's something you can't really dig out of. You know, it's a I listen to both your podcast, a lot of podcasts that talk, talk about newer breweries that have have partners, have you know, two or three people that you know pool their money and then they all do something different in the brewery and that's how that relationship works. And you know, honestly, when I was in the first uh phase of of well spent, you know, that's you know, I was jealous of that because that's you know, I didn't have uh a support system like that. No, we have a we have a great team of of uh employees, but no one, you know. No one besides myself and my wife that had skin in the game until we, yeah. until we sold. Again, it kind of comes down to, I guess, when you say it's, it's sort of a series of, of, of mistakes that, that, that happened along the way. I'm, I'm always curious, you know, to do the, the, the post-mortem on stuff and... <sighs> Are there things aside from you know finding you know other partners or somebody else who could help pull the money or anything else like that? Are, are there things that you look at now, aside from okay, we should have been doing marketing and, and things like that? Are there things that like you think about now where you're like, damn, like why didn't I do that back then? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think you have you have success stories on 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 your show. Even uh, they talk about how oh we started with a barrel and a half system and I'd never do that again. Uh, but the good part about that is, is, you know, um, you start small with small inputs and then you can kind of build on that, even though it takes longer to get to where you want to go. Like what we started with was where we wanted to go. Um, you know, we started with, um, uh, you know, five belt brewery and you know, 85 seats inside and a hundred you know, plus outside, uh, because we thought that's all the things we needed because we heard that's heard that from other people. Um, but if we, you know, if we would have started smaller, if we would have like, had a little bit less, uh, input if we wouldn't have had to take money from a bank um, to build the big grandiose plan. I would probably, you know, it would have taken us longer to get to where we were going, but at least we still would have been doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I say that, but um, I kind of, you know, what I, I feel pretty good about uh, doing the postmortem on this because COVID would have steamrolled us anyway. Like, I feel like with if it was just myself and my wife, like we wouldn't have been able to survive uh, on our own. Uh, no matter where we where we were, um, unless we started with some type of like you know contract model or something, um, but we have the um, and that kind of is a I don't know what called a silver lining, um, but uh, you know it's something we can at least kind of take a little bit of solace in is that well yeah we, uh, we we didn't make it and we uh, had some mistakes along the way and we uh, had to do some things different to kind of prop this brewery up, prop the people up in it, but uh, you know we are uh, still you know. From those ups and downs are still in a better place. The brewery is in a better place now. Uh, my wife and I are in a better place now than we would have been um, had we kind of soldiered on. Um, yeah. And we can talk about, you know, I, I have that fear about other breweries, you know, that are in that same spot now. You know, we, um, you know, we talked about debt. So uh, business owners are a scrappy bunch that will do, you know, do what it takes to stay open and, uh, you know, that, that debt still made the COVID debt still may catch up to some people. Um, I hope, hope not, you know, but it kind of is what it is. I, I mean, I, I think you're probably right. And I'm having, you know, I'm hearing 
from folks now and again. Um, again, these are these are difficult conversations for people to have. So, I mean, thanks for you know, having it with me right now and mm-hmm. letting me share this with everybody who's listening. But some of the few conversations that I've had in the last couple of weeks are people are saying like, yeah, it's nice to have people back in, but you know, like the, you know, like my bank loans are still due and you know, like maybe I'm at, you know, 60% of what I used to be. And there, there's, there's a little bit of that, that, that fear that's in the voice. When you were at that six month point, when you really started looking at something, what, what was it that like really made the alarm bell sound? It was really just looking at, you know, the sheet at the end of the day or at the end of the week or the end of the month and being like, well, shit, this isn't adding up. Or were there other things along, uh, were there other things contributing to, you know, that, that, that feeling, that sense? Yeah. I mean, that's why we, we, we kept soldering on. We saw, uh, you know, we were definitely putting money into the business every, you know, too often to what we thought, um, you know, we were, um, you know, we were, yeah, we were, we were putting money in we had to you know take out a credit card or something and we knew that you know it was it was a thing where we can either make it work or not like we had we didn't really see the end of the line we saw that like this is going to be a rough climb and uh you know we either can um dig our way out or not and so we just kept going until we finally you know kind of crossed that path of like oh yeah this is um something we can't really overcome uh, but that was that came pretty late. Like I said, that was you know we uh, we closed after we uh, really couldn't pay for our you know uh, liquor licenses or um, you know we, we got into that hole, and so we we made those decisions pretty quick um, because we we're like, oh yeah, well we're we're in this space now. But we you know, we tried for as long as we could. Do you do you think that there is a false sense of success that exists in the craft beer space? And, and I guess what I mean by that is you hear you, you named a whole bunch of breweries before urban chestnut and perennial and uh, the ones uh, out on the West coast that you sort of made your, 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 your um, uh, modeled on. But when you go to, you know, large uh, brewing events, you know, uh, brewers conferences or, you know, whatever, or you hear, you know, some of the very, very large brewers on CNBC or, you know, giving stories where it's, you know, oh, there's, there's growth and we're up, you know, the segments up X percent this year. In in some cases, like, it seems like, well, I, I can't lose. Um, and I think there, there, that, that there are people who sort of get into it thinking that like, it's going to be easy. And I'm not suggesting that you did, but, but I'm curious if like knowing what you know now, if the narrative that's out there, you know, in media, in drinking circles, in and among craft brewers, even themselves, is is an accurate one. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I think, but then I also I go against it per- in my personal experience. Like I, uh, the craft craft beer is now a pretty mature business in the, or premature industry, and so yeah. I think the breweries that have been around a while, even if they started off and didn't know didn't know shit about business like I did. Um, you know, they could, uh, you know, they've kind of meandered along, they've, they've clawed, scraped and, you know, fought to kind of get to where they are. And hopefully as they've done that, they've matured both as brewers and as business people. So they've either brought people in to help them out, or they've, you know, uh, had investment from people that have some, um, um, some better business savvy, or just kind of like built a more sound business to kind of, um, weather a storm long-term kind of, you know, be a long-term business, something they could um, you know, spend a life doing. 
uh, I think that that may not have been something that a lot of people thought about um, when they started a brewery. I didn't, you know, I thought that you know, we would kind of would just go as long as we could and um, and see what see what came of it. Um, but, you know, I, I I say that, but I also got into it without that foresight. You know, I got into it, you know, and just uh, didn't didn't have any help, didn't have any business experience, and just thought, you know, well, if, you know, we'll just start off we'll you know we'll be the, the new brewery that like does really well and as we kind of um taper off into not being the new thing anymore we'll have you know uh, a business set up to what we you know we can build on a foundation we can build on um instead of building that foundation from the, from the get-go um so i don't you know i i just know really my personal experience i know you know i have uh, the st louis brewing community is pretty tight and we you know we're yeah. um uh, we have a lot of really good people in this in this town that do great things for other breweries and are very open about uh how they do how they do business really and um the breweries especially have been around you know 10 years now which is kind of a lot of our um a second wave of breweries yeah. um yeah they've they've just matured as as a business and so they've, they've built a business that is um kind of can prop prop itself up has a good foundation but also is good for their employees you know and is a place that is um you know built to last i guess um yeah i think you can kind of see uh, at least from the inside looking out like it's it's easier to see it if you're in in the industry you're in the city you're kind of um have a little bit more to peek behind the curtain but you know you can see place breweries are you know, they're building a, a good foundation for themselves to um to be around for you know 30 40 years or longer yeah when you're going through that and you have you know the bank loans and you're taking out credit cards and you're 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 thinking all of that i mean it's it's one thing you know pride for the business you know you're 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 proud of everything that you're doing um you know you're trying to make good beer and 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 have good customer interaction what does that do for just i don't know your physical and mental health uh, you know, I, um, I wasn't really, I don't think I did it long enough to, <laughs> to really have it wear on me. And I still was, I knew it was going to be good on you. Uh, hard, yeah. 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 I, it was, a, it was a, I knew it was going to be a hard thing to do. It was probably the hardest thing I was ever going to do. And it was, um, I spent more time, I, you know, I put more effort into this place than I did, you know, finishing engineering school or any of the jobs <laughs> that I had before, like any, you know, whatever, there's no comparison to it. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, it was all. I was still fresh, you know, it was like, I got this business open and I'm ready to just like pile it on. Uh, we also had, we opened in 2018 and, uh, we had a seven month old at the time and a, and a, oh, that's not hard at two all. year old. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. Um, but again, you know, the not having that support system was, was a huge you know, fault of mine. Again, it's, it, you know, you said, um, you, you mentioned pride and pride is definitely what, you know, it was too much of, of that, like, a, you know, I can do all this. I don't need any help. You know, I think you're thinking that subconsciously, like this, this is something all I can do. It's not that big of a deal. So it's a small business, you know, but you, uh, all of a sudden you've built this place. Um, and it's, it's a lot to, a lot to manage. You know? Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and it is, it's a lot to manage, but like, it, it's also like your place. Like you, you've put your name on the shingle that you've hung out. Like you're, you know, like asking for help, I think is, 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 is tough in a business sense as well, especially because like, you know, like people, I don't know. I think people know that running a small business is, is, is really hard, but unless like you're in it, it, you, you really can't like accurately articulate it to 
you know, people who, who haven't had that same life experience. Yeah. And you know, what, uh, asking for help is kind of a tough thing to do when what you really need is someone to, you know, uh, uh, like be in it with you. You you need someone to, uh, uh, really put down a lot of, of effort alongside you. And if you can't hire that, it's, it's tough to, um, um, have that person to really help you out unless you know you have someone that's got a vested interest unless you have someone that's gets that skin in the game if it's a, right. a partner yeah. or, or someone i was, um, was going to say like you know to, to to hire somebody but when you don't have the money to hire somebody that becomes also that yeah that's yeah. uh that was also a thing <laughs> so yeah so you end up doing more <laughs> job yourself it's yeah it's a you know i think uh you hear those stories of people who weren't successful in business and it, it really does it's like everything just piles up not just debt but also uh, work, you know, it's like you, you don't have the money to hire other people. So you end up doing those things. So you end up not doing anything very well. You know, um, that's, that's definitely where I was. And, um, even like, as we restarted this business, we put down a good support system of employees, but we needed to figure out what else we needed. And so, um, you know, we're just now like, um, uh, putting a tap room manager in place so they can really run the front of house. I've been doing that uh, since we reopened, um, so, so, so let's talk about that then. So, so you mm-hmm. actually take the steps, you emptied the tanks, you closed the business. Yeah. So we, August, we, yeah, we closed up. We basically, uh, I mean, we put the brewery up as a, uh, as a, like a, like a, we were, like we were selling a tank, we were selling an entire brewery. We put like ads up on, you know, pro brewer and things, sure. uh, brewery for sale. Um, and that's kind of where we were. We uh, and you were going to do like know, a turnkey operation. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of staring down the barrel of bankruptcy. Personally, um, you know, we. Uh, uh, but the thing about the thing that people don't realize about bankruptcy is that you can't afford it because uh, you have to have uh, a specialized attorney to go through bankruptcy, and you know that's a you know that's a, a five digit deal. Um, yeah, and uh, a five digit tab, I should say, a bill. Um, yeah. So you like, you know, you don't have any money. So it's like how it, it doesn't, it's very difficult to manage that um, on your own. Um, so yeah, but we, we did all that. We looked at all that. We uh, met with attorneys. We got ready just to kind of go down that path basically. And um, uh, then we started to like, you know, hear from people. It was, uh, so it's the end of 2019. So it's like, you know, economy's booming and uh, it's a, uh, you know, no one's heard the word COVID before. Oh yeah. No, there, uh, there's, uh, there's been no, yeah. I mean, it's a no weird, stuffing it's a weird up thing on to, toilet paper. No. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird thing to think about now is like mm-hmm. how, how crazy it was in 2019, which was, you know, a year and a half ago I know. Um, or two years ago now. Um, yeah. It's, I'm not, yeah, it's, it, it really is. I, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day about one of the shows and they were like, Oh, you know, I was listening to that interview and I was like, God, that was like, how many years ago? And it's like, that was the end of 2019. Yeah, it's 28 months. I was like, that feels like just like I was a younger man because I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we we bottled beer older than that. And we're not even that old. Uh, you know. But that's yeah. it. I mean, it was it was it was great. I mean, we had a couple weeks of just like nothing, and then we started to really get um uh, getting bites on it. We we talked to a lot of folks, uh, we had a lot of meetings. Um from and, and like this was every everything from uh you know other breweries that are looking to expand their footprint or, um, you know, expand their kind of, um, their offerings or whatever. Um, and then, you know, like restaurants or, or bars that wanted like a, another space, but also a private label, like beer brand, like all kinds of different stuff. 
More with Kyle Co. Morgan in just a moment, but first a word of thanks to the companies that help keep Drink Beer, Think Beer on the air. Head to Vermont and check out Lawson's Finest Liquids. Their taproom, beer garden, and retail store are open 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday and Saturday. Get food, beer, and Vermont hospitality all in one place. Learn more at lawsonsfinest.com. Also check out NZ Hops. At NZ Hops, they feel that sustainability is not only being a steward for the land, but for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nzhops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. And we're also brought to you by Dragon's Milk White from New Holland Brewing Company. Aged in bourbon barrels, it's smooth and velvety, abounding with notes of coffee, chocolate, and vanilla, all at a 6% ABV. Learn more at dragonsmilk.com. And now back to my conversation with Kyle Colmorgan of Well Spent Brewing. Can, can, I, can I ask you, though, as you were entertaining these offers and as people were coming through, because obviously if, if you're staring down bankruptcy, like you want to get the best offer and you want to make sure that whatever is going to come through is going to try to make you as whole as possible and that you can walk away with as little damage as possible. But was there some part of you that was also saying, okay, if I am going to sell you know, this to a turnkey operation, you know, something, somebody that's going to make this, you know, their own, I want to feel good about it. Or was this just strictly a, like, did, did, did you want to like the people that were going to buy it? Or was it just a, yeah, these people are going to help me get out of this situation. I sure, I sure wanted to, like, I hope it, yeah. I hope for the best, but at the same time, you know, you're kind of not really left with a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of choice, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the, I mean, the big part about the big deal breaker for most of these was that, you know, we had a way to get right on the, um, on the debt that we had, uh, we, you know, if you wanted to buy this business, part of buying the business was, you know, um, settling debt. So that basically was, was the, the payment of the business or of the, you know, of the, to buy the, buy the space. It was basically just like covering what we owed so that we could walk away from it. Um, but the ones that were interested were all, um, interested in, not just buying the space, but also uh, folding me in somehow, um, you know, kind of incorporating it as, you know, buying the brand as well. Um, we, did, we had no, we didn't think we had any brand equity, you know, we were only open two years, but that was, that was part of it was, you know. Um, so you had people here. saying, Hey, we're interested in this. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do the terms, but we want, we want you. Yeah. In one way or another, you know, it was, uh, that's uh, the, nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh it's someone who's already kind of here, and you know I think you're you're uh for the price that we were asking for, you know you wanted you wanted uh, a true turnkey operation, which meant you know someone to turn the key. Sure. Um, yeah. So we we had a lot of those conversations, and frankly, it was it was a long couple of months because none of the offers were very good. Um, you know, it was it was me working really hard to make someone else's beer, and it was not not. It was not looking great, but, uh, it was and, and were those offers, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, 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 cause this, this is something that I imagine other folks who might be listening might have to go through at some point, unfortunately. And were you finding that people who were putting some of the offers in understood the, the position that you were in and we're, we're just trying to like, you know, how low can we get this? And I know that's good business. Like if you're buying a house or whatever, like you put in like, you know, the offer that you hope people are going to accept or anything, but did you feel that there were I don't know, predatory people who were trying to put in offers? Um, 
No, it was more just like opportunistic, like uh, okay. uh, different business, businesses looking really to expand. The word by a different they, name, know, but yeah, they were yeah they were gonna they were gonna build a space anyway, and so this space is built. So like, let's take a look at, at this, you know, this opportunity. I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, anybody. I'm not trying to make the world to be out out to be super evil, but yeah. Yeah, I now like I you know you talk about people facing this now. I think that you know if we would have shut down during COVID, we wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't have been able to sell this business. You know, it was it would have been a different different ball game, um, yeah. So eventually, an offer came through, and it yeah, was I mean, one that you had, liked. We had a couple, and then um, I uh, I don't know if I've ever told Kevin this story, and so he might be hearing it for the first time now. Um, but uh, you know, we had we were talking to a couple of different people, like we were kind of you know, uh, none of the options were very good, and this this one guy like sends me an email, like, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in buying your brewery. Uh, I'm like, oh. But, you know, it's, it's his personal email. Like he, you know, it's just like a guy. I'm like, it's, it's okay. a Gmail account. Yeah. 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 And like, I, I kind of <laughs> like, I recognize the name cause I think he'd been, a, you know, he was a customer. He'd been a couple of times, but uh, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Come on, come on. I, I'm not doing anything. So I uh, want you to come by the brewery. We'll talk about it. And uh, this was uh, Evan Chance, our, our new owner and um, uh, kind of spoiled the ending to it. But yeah, he was, he was legit. Like, um, uh, you know, it, it was uh something to where he just, uh, he was looking to kind of expand. He uh, is a pretty successful business person. He um, uh, owns some other businesses that are that are successful because of him. He's put in a lot of um, sweat equity to them. Um, you know, he's a pretty smart guy and uh, I kind of wanted to, he was looking into investing in something. And um, uh, really he was like, you know, uh, his options were lucrative, but boring, you know, like, uh, um, you know, real estate or something, but like he, he loved, our brewery and he loved our beer and like was a pretty regular customer and kind of saw an opportunity to not just like invest in something that he believed in, but like invest in, you know, um, a space that made him feel good. Maybe it's, you know, it's, you know, um, something that he felt like was a little bit more tangible, a little bit more, um, you know, good, I guess. I don't did, you know. So that was, that was it. Did you have a lot of interactions with him when he was a customer? I like when he walked in, I recognized him, but like I, it, he wasn't uh, a super regular customer to the point where I, I, I knew him by name. Um, okay. Yeah. He'd, he'd been in a few times but like, yeah, I just was super impressed by our beer and uh, uh, really liked hanging out here. And I think, you know, we just yeah, he had good experiences here. And um, uh, yeah, so we met with him probably three or four times and, then, you know, got real serious about it in terms of like doing due diligence and talking to lawyers and things. And, I think finally like made a sale or made the sale like official and final in November of that year. So we shut down November of 19. Then, yeah. So like we shut down in August and then you, uh, you lucky, you lucky SOB. That's what he says. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, uh, it's, yeah, we, you know, again, no one saw COVID going, but like we, no. So we, we, we closed the sale and then we opened back up in February. Um, and, uh, I mean, like everything just looks so good. You know, like, uh, we had, we had what we needed. We had that missing piece. You know, Evan was a good business person. He, he made some changes right off the bat, not to the, like he completely like left the beer alone. Um, but like we had, we had like another space, like right next to the brewery for our barrels. And it was about a quarter filled maybe and it was about half of our rent so it was like well let's just you know let's see if we can fit everything in one building and so we you know cut our rent in half and we uh you know we paid debts and then like just put people in places and uh made sure that we were you know 
adequately staffed and like really just in a position to do really good things in 2020. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, that's, that's, that's the story of everybody, right. Is, um, you know, we were, everybody was really positioned to just, you know, do great stuff in 2020. But, but, but it sounds like just over the course of three, four months, you know, somebody with different perspective, different, different ideas, you know, looking at things, maybe not from the rose colored glasses that you had coming into it um, on, on some levels, right. Um, instituted some good changes that had COVID not happened. Like, damn, this is pretty, this is pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah. He took a deep dive into our finances and like, uh, I did some just like stuff that just makes sense from a business perspective that you just don't see when you're in it, you know, like little things add up, but also big things like, you know, we, uh, we didn't set off to be a brewery that made like big bombastic beers. Uh, but you know, he, he like went through our sales data and was like, what's this, what's this one day where you made, you know, 10 grand. And we're like, well, that's, that's the day we you know had a barely stout release. Should you probably do that more often? <laughs> you know yeah, i guess probably yeah we probably could do that you know just literally just it's crazy the things that you don't see as you have those blinders on or it's just as you just don't have the experience like really looking at uh i mean it, it sounds boring it sounds like something you don't need but like you have those three you have your PL statements and your cash flow statements and like all those things are just like oh yeah what the what the what the accounting nerds deal with that but that is like those are real important stuff that we just you know yeah. That allows you to like make it's why it's why successful breweries have accountants. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's what I heard. Um, yeah. I didn't, I, you know, <laughs> I wasn't one, uh, but yeah, we, yeah, now we do have them. We do have accountants and lawyers. Uh, so we got, got that, we got all that covered. Um, but yeah, so like that, I mean, just made, and that's, a, that was the great thing about it was, uh, you know, he wanted to, wanted me to come back and, and, you know, basically pay me to be a brewer. Um, yeah. So I sold all of the business to him, 100% of the business to him, and then um, I am an employee of, of his now, uh, of, the, of the of the breweries now. Um, um, I talked my um, my my kind of pot, you know partner in crime, Dave uh, Dave Dawes. He's our he's our other brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked him into coming back. We he was working for another brewery and and you know a good brewery in St. Louis, and I you know, convinced him to come back. So uh, Evan was on board with that. So we. We're, you know, hitting the ground running with kind of the same team we had. Um, we had a great staff, you know, uh, we were, yeah, we were, he put us all in the right place to uh, be able to do that build step that I didn't account for um, over the course of 2020. So we, you know, had some cash reserves that so we knew that we were going to you know, need some time to kind of build a customer base, build a, uh, a business. And uh, before we can kind of, for the business kind of, um, kind of steady off and be, be self-sustaining, um, financially at least. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we were in a good space to do that, which, you know, um, also kind of, I mean, it didn't prepare us for the depth of, 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 you know, of different business that we had to go through for COVID, but at least we were in a place to where we knew, um, kind of had a little money tucked away for kind of a, a, that building business. And we just used that to survive COVID really. Yeah. It occurs to me as you're telling this story of historical beer context of Fritz Maytag in the 1960s in San Francisco, 
drinking at his local watering hole where he was one of the only ones who was drinking uh, steam beer, uh, Anchor, Anchor Steam. And the the way that the story goes, and I'm probably butchering this just a little bit, uh, but the barman says, um, you know, uh, enjoy this while you can. You know, this brewery is closing. Uh, if you've never visited, it's right up the street. You should go check it out. Something along those lines. And so Fritz Maytag being Fritz Maytag of the washing machine and blue cheese family uh, walks up the street, looks at the brewery and decides to just buy it on the spot because he enjoyed drinking the beer. Um, and, you know, that's the legend of Anchor in the in the, in the modern uh, sense. Um, th- there seems to be sort of just vestiges in there. Like you never know who's drinking your beer and you never know who can help you out in a time of need or, you know, sees the value and the hard work that you're doing and can actually, you know, put the resources behind it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a, that's, uh, I'm basically calling you the anchor of the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, Well, I just skipped that part about how that's not a great comparison, but like, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's a, for that. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my dad always said, you know, you gotta be nice to everybody. You know, you never know who, yeah, never who you're being nice to, and uh, uh, we kind of parlay that into into our business, just making sure everyone, anyone that comes to the door has a great experience. That's just because I think that that makes the beer taste better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's 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 how it worked out. I mean, uh, I think uh, Evan saw uh, something that was was worth saving, and uh, um, you know, I I wasn't one to argue. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. So the obvious question is somebody comes in you know it's 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 your branding it's your name they're not touching the beers and they've hired you as an employee to work at a place that you founded are there mental gymnastics to go through to get to that is it was it sort of an easy decision is it a relief off your shoulder is it does it feel weird i mean uh it it was it was um I realize you're you're probably going to temper yourself here because he signs your checks now, but <laughs> well, I mean, but we we were pretty frank. Uh, okay. It was it was you know I, we used the roller coaster so many damn times in this thing, but like it was an emotional roller coaster because we you know we closed the brewery, we like we basically gave it a funeral. Uh, we you know we kind of put it to bed in our in our um, kind of in our minds. You know we we we, we kind of you know, we we weren't moved on, but like we were at a place where. Uh, we thought that Wellsman was, was, was over that we, you know, the things yeah. that we built were done. And, uh, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was a weird thing to, um, really entertain that idea of, well, is this brand isn't, it's not dead anymore. It's not mine, but it's not dead. And is that, is that, is that important? Um, but you know, uh, the thing, the big thing was, is one, it was, um, you know, the, the, we were in a space to do exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I could go and brew, uh, for another brewery, um, and, you know, have a good career, but like Evan allows me to really uh, be the brewer I want to be. Um, so that was, I mean, that was the main selling point. Um, but also it gives, you know, um, oh, we have a, we have a small staff, but we still have a staff that uh, is, you know, is still part of this, still part of this business, still believes in it, you know, even though it's not uh, technically mine anymore, I think that they have, you know, it's kind of um, latched onto the, the whole of it. The, you know, the fact that Evan and Kristen really know the, kind of the right way to uh, navigate us into the future. And, and I'm, I'm there too. You know, I think that uh, this business, you know, I, I always wanted Wellspent to be a business when we owned it um, that could operate without me from a day-to-day standpoint. And then I would, uh, you know, be able to just kind of look ahead and uh, look towards, you know, doing, you know, really just, I mean, just really fuck around, I guess, but uh, 
be in a place where I could um, just challenge myself creatively, you know, creatively. Um, and we're still building to that now. We're still like at a place where you know the success of the business is going to be to where Wellsmith can operate without me from a day-to-day standpoint, and uh, I can just be looking ahead and uh, and um, you know, thinking about you know what, what comes next, uh, and just doing things that really um, kind of keep me engaged, um, can keep our customers engaged, um, which is good. I mean, it, it's good if it's good for me long term, or it's good if you know if I uh, get hit by a truck too. So it still allows the business to, to thrive. Well, so you you said uh, the brewer that you always wanted to be. Were what were you making when you were the owner in those the, that time that you were opened? That you know didn't thrill you, and and what are you making now that speaks to your brewer soul? Uh, well, I, you know, uh, I'm like incredibly critical critical about our beer. And so we're still, I know nothing really, speak, you know, nothing really speaking to my soul yet. Um, but like, it, I've, I have this like, I continually just want to be better, and I don't want to do it at the expense of our customer base. I don't want to just uh, continue to make mistakes and learn from them and have that be the beer that that people are drinking from us. And so being able to uh, kind of root ourselves and make beer that is not just average to above average to be truly great beer. Um, in the contents of our the context of our um, our customer base, um, people really enjoy our beer and really think highly of it. Uh, I want to be there now, and I, you know, we're so. But that, like, you know, that process is a, a long one, and it should, you know, I, I can, you know, I kind of think partially, like it doesn't. You know, I kind of cheated the system a little bit. I didn't, I didn't pay my dues. I didn't, you know, go through a, a long, you know. Uh, apprenticeship program, or I wasn't a, a brewer for 10 years before we started the brewery. I just, you know, I kind of jumped to the front of the line and started, you know, making my own beer. And so uh, I want, I don't want that to, you know, um, kind of show in the beer. I want, I want to be, you know, I want our beer to be really great. And uh, to do that, it takes a lot of, you know, uh, self improvement and learning. And um, I didn't want to just learn from making beer and making mistakes. I want to learn from our other, like my counterparts in the industry. I want to learn from our, colleagues and I want to learn from, you know, going to other breweries, visiting other breweries and um, any way I can just absorb knowledge and, and make the beer better. Um, I want to do it. And so we, I have to have time to do it. You know, that's the thing about running the business and brewing is that you just don't have time to improve. Um, you know, you, you try what you can, but you're just basically doing it, you know, by uh, trial by fire. And that's not, you know, that's not fair to our customers to like not give them the beer that they really deserve because you're just not good enough at it yet. So what's in your tanks now that you're excited about? Uh, I'm excited that St. Louis loves lager. Uh, St. Louis, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we started. It's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of known for, for lager. Yeah. There, yeah. We make some lager here and uh, uh, we, you know, we started, uh, we started like every other, you know, I feel like every other brewery started around our time had the same ideas. Like we're going to be something different. So we're going to uh, basically just make all our beers with Saison yeast. And so we started that way. Um, and we made, uh, we made the first batch of lager and we dumped it because I didn't like it. And we made, it took us about six months to make another one and people really liked it. So we started making lager and um, we've been able to, that's one thing where we can kind of, you know, um, like hone our skill and then do enough batches of lager to really, you know, uh, find our niche, find our kind of groove in terms of like knowing the yeast and knowing 
um, what we like in, in our in our year-round loggers and then be able to kind of explore uh, you know outside of that so we had just one we called it well-spent logger we had one logger forever and uh kind of got that to a point where we really liked it and started to kind of explore new styles of logger um whether that be you know uh, we would check dark logger and a uh a, a corn logger that we made with popcorn and um and other things and so we're just kind of slowly you know going back in time really um and our customer base has allowed us to do that so between the customers that come here and then we have we just during COVID we started a membership club um and so uh, they get uh two four packs of beer that are different beers every month and so we have kind of a space to put new ideas uh, we still have to deliver for them yes uh, the beer sauce is great but uh we can they're kind of along the ride for, you know with us you know we uh, challenge them a little bit and they're like super stoked about an alt beer and about uh you know a a, a west coast style red ale um things like that so we're uh you know, really what, what is a, a west coast style red ale is that just like more care munich like what's the we train our staff not to use the word amber the, okay because people have a, i think i think you know people think pretty old school and they think well, that's what it is you know it's a you know, it's like an amber that's made in the California brew pub. So it's, you know, it's what, what's uh, the grain bill on that? Cause I feel like I probably just stepped on myself. By... Um, it, I mean, American pale malt, a little bit yeah. of, a little bit of care Munich, uh, and then like your things to make it red. So we use a little special B cause that's what okay. we have for other beers. And then, um, okay. you know, maybe a little, uh, a dark crystal. Uh, so it's, you know, it's an, it's an amber, uh, you know, six, 6% amber ale, uh, but we hop it with, you know, but, um, cascade, you know, centennial, but hang on a second. Amber won't sell. I don't know. I, th- I think amber feels like an old, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is me making it up. Maybe red and amber are both in- interchangeable in-, in the minds of our customers. You know, we continue to learn. Know. I mean, when I, I think, think of like do. red ale, I'm thinking of like George Killian's from mm. my college days. Yeah. But you know, you, you and I are, you know, we've, we've yeah, we're old. longer than most people. Yeah. We've done this longer than most people coming into the brewery, I think. So they don't, I don't think they know what George Killian's Irish red is. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just making that up. You know, we we uh, we continue to learn more about like vernacular and like what means things to people and what doesn't. And that's compl- I think it's completely different from uh, uh, city to city. Even you know, like yeah. uh, things. You know, we had a uh, we used to have a um, a bartender that uh, also worked for a brewery in, in Rolla, Missouri, and uh, you know, people would ask for a pale ale, but they didn't mean like Sierra Nevada pale ale. They didn't mean hoppy blonde um slightly bitter they meant cream ale they meant something that a, a beer oh, that's literally wow. pale and literally not a lager and so <laughs> that just like you know i mean how you know so, styles are dead yeah yeah but but lager everyone you know pale lager people understand that. sure uh, and then and then the, you know they, they they understand pale lager they understand pilsner and then um you can kind of put other things on the tap list next to them like oh yeah well this is a lager but it's you know it's darker this lager is, you know, um, it's in a different style or it's, it's red or it's, you know, dare I say amber, uh, people go with that. What is the demand like for your Valk beer? Uh, we, <laughs> we haven't brewed it yet. I don't, I don't know. Um, it is like, we got all the sugar Creek malt, uh, ready. Like it's uh, a yeah. custom smoked sugar Creek malt, the good stuff. Custom um, smoked. Yeah. So tell me about Creek, that. Sugar Creek malt, Indiana, um, yeah. uh, Caleb is a badass he's he's doing really cool stuff uh they even made like a he built like a 
like a Nordic smokehouse, like a traditional smokehouse that makes. Yeah, I've been hearing about this. On. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really cool operation, um, and their their malts are really good. So we brought in a pallet. We, you know, we've been working with them little by little, but we brought in a whole bunch of malt to make mostly saison for the summer. But then while we were there, we were like, well, um, you know, smoke us up a because he has like a, a drum smoker and uh, or something like that. He can smoke like down to three hundred pounds of malt. Um, so yeah, it's like uh, you can pick any base malt style, and then uh, from a whole huge list of different woods to smoke it over. Um, so we went pretty traditional, but like it was freshly smoked uh, Munich malt. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, so I'm. It smells real good, and uh, we are uh, we are currently uh, fighting some some chiller problems. But as soon as we you know kind of level out, or uh, Ralph beer is the next beer on the on the agenda. Uh, that and seltzer so uh, that and seltzer <laughs> yeah uh not a smoke seltzer you're actually just going to do like a real seltzer right yeah I will, yeah, let's, okay. yeah let's take it one step at a time uh, <laughs> i was gonna say the world isn't ready for smoke seltzer yet i mean you know, uh, i mean there, there's there's 800 people on facebook who are like totally into it but that's about it yeah and they're yeah they probably don't live here um <laughs> or in the club that's yeah yeah like i said our, our membership club they're on you know they're you know, they are on a ride with us. They are they're into it, but you know, I'm, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to give them the option with the Ralph beer, the Ralph seltzer. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they, they do it, but we, you know, we made a small batch of seltzer and it went over pretty well. So, uh, we, uh, we we were buying kegs of, of like draft wine for our gluten free yeah. options. And we're like, well, hell we'll, you know, let's, let's bring it in house. We were making some mead, uh, and mead is, uh, something I was interested in doing and it kind of, uh, informed the seltzer process for us where, you know, we kind of figured it out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be something that I think we can, can pull off, uh, but we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying pallets of slim cans. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't have that capability. It's just like, you know, uh, it's a gluten-free option for us. Well, it sounds like, I mean, at, at, at this point, I don't know what the analogy is for roller coasters, but it sort of sounds like you're you're coming back into home base after a, a little bit of a thrill ride, and you're going to get off and walk the theme park for a while, which is a nice, relaxing, and you know, enjoyable thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, uh, now it's just the same old story of, of everyone else is going through COVID, but at least we have, uh, you know, uh, we've built a, you know, Evans helped us build a foundation that we can, you know, we can jump off of. So we're now we're navigating all the same things that everyone else is navigating COVID wise, but still also, you know, um, building this brewery that keeps people interested and keeps our, our customers engaged and, and happy and, um, and stoked to come back. And, um, that's the, you know, that's the, always the driving force. And customers are happy. Um, are you? Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm never satisfied with our, with our beer. I probably never will be. And that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it's a fulfilling, fulfilling, place that I'm in, you know, I, we, uh, I think off air, we were talking about hiring, hiring other people. And so we yeah. just hired a, a taproom manager. I was kind of, kind of managing both like the front of house and back of house. Um, and by kind of, I mean, I wasn't doing a very good managing the front of house. And so we hired someone to do that full time, full time. Um, it's going to be able to, you know, uh, have better events and be able to connect with our customers and our employees better, you know, um, that communication line and everything. Uh, and just make sure that we have a steady stream of people coming through here. Um, to have a great experience and allow me to really dive in deep uh, in the back and uh, and uh, continue to make different beers and make more beer and um, you know push our, our barrel program forward and do all the things make you know smoke 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 seltzers if you want I can, we can't even say it 
smoke filters. Uh, yeah, don't don't say it. Don't say it. That's the thing. That there's a reason that it's a tongue twister and that everybody gets tripped up on it is because it shouldn't be said, nor should it be made. Um, uh, although I'll drink a ton of it if somebody does. Uh, before I let you go, I've been thinking about the way the world is now, and there's the Delta variant of COVID that's sort of going around and. Uh, things were opening up and people were excited again. And now there's a little bit of worry about CDC guidelines and what's going to happen going forward. And uh, we're recording this about two weeks before it's going to go up um, on the air. Um, uh, in fact, uh, last week on the show, I mentioned that I was on vacation. Uh, this is the last official thing that I'm doing before I go on vacation. So thanks for hanging out with me. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about travel and I've been thinking a lot about um places that I've loved and, and people that I've loved drinking with. And so I'm going to ask you, this is the first time I'm asking this question on the show. So I'll, I'll give you half a second to think about it. But um, if you could walk out of your door right now and go anywhere uh, and have a beer with anybody, where would you go? What would you drink and who'd you be with? You know, uh, I'm kind of in Yorba where I'm actually on vacation in, in a few weeks. And, uh, uh, we are going to, we're going to up to Michigan to a kind of coastal quote unquote coastal Michigan, uh, hang out there. And, uh, I can't really think of, uh, like, a, you know, I, I, I've got lots of colleagues. I don't want to single one out, but, you know, I haven't seen the clouds yet. So that's kind of on my mind. I really want to see, um, kind of my brewery. Uh, comrades, you know, uh, from all over the place. Uh, but I can't really think of one you know, that I would, would have over another. Um, but, you know, um, having a, a really good beer in Michigan with my mom is going to be, and my, you know, and my wife, my kids. Um, it's, it's like all I can really think about right now. I'm, I'm in vacation mode already, three weeks, you know, three weeks away. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at now in my headspace. Uh, you know, we, uh, I think international travel for us is, is quite a few years away with, with the kids that are six and four. So we're sure. thinking small, um, but, you know, thinking small and, uh, and important and meaningful. And so these trips to, um, you know, uh, the middle of Missouri river or to Michigan or things are, um, are, are kind of where we're at and where, um, you know, it's really, really where we're building a, um, a good life experiences, uh, both in beer and outside of beer. That's where I'm at right now. You know, I, um, you know, uh, I think festivals will come, when festivals are ready to come through, we'll eventually get back. I'm, I'm excited to get back to festivals. because We don't do very many of them, um, but yeah, uh, until then let's, uh, let's go to you know, either the middle of nowhere or small towns in Michigan and have a few, uh, pints of two hearted with, with, uh, with our family. God, pints of two hearted. That sounds, that sounds damn delightful. Well, yeah, Kyle, you're making uh, the people of Marion, Indiana, really, really proud. So uh, <laughs> keep so. up the good work and, uh, thanks for really, thanks for, being honest and sharing the insights. I know this can't be easy, but I'm, 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 I'm glad about the lessons that you've learned that you can share with other people. And, and, and I really appreciate your time today being on the show. Thanks. Yeah. If you can help anybody, you know, either already starting a brewery or, or thinking about starting a brewery, you know, that's, 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 you know, hopefully I can, hopefully I can help persuade them not to start one. <laughs>
A quick reminder before we go to check out the merch page of BeerEdge.com for Camp Rauch Beer and Defend Pilsner Glassware and Shirts, and to check out the webpage to sign up for the newsletter and to listen to Andy Crouch's podcast, as well as to read some articles. And to help us keep this show going, reach out to Liz Melby. She can tell you all about our advertising rates if you reach out to Liz at BeerEdge.com. And of course, questions, comments, concerns, or anything else in between, you can always reach me at John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com or join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. I'm really happy to say that we are sponsored by Dragon's Milk White from New Holland Brewing Company. It reimagines what a stout can be. Your vessel will be filled with the color of gold, and yet there's something more to this white stout than meets the eye. Aged in bourbon barrels, Dragon's Milk White is smooth and velvety, abounding with notes of coffee, chocolate, and vanilla to present classic stout flavors in a delicious new way, all in a sessionable 6% ABV package. Find Dragon's Milk White near you by visiting dragonsmilk.com. And we're also brought to you by NZ Hops, the cooperative of master hop growers. They're a passionate collective of farms dedicated to innovation and sustainability. Leading the charge in sustainable farm practices, some NZ hop farms have over five generations of knowledge that inform their composting program, used by growers to promote healthy, regenerative growth of hops year upon year. This creates high-quality soil, a critical component of healthy growing conditions. At NZ Hops, they feel that sustainability is not only being a steward for the land, but for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nchops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. As promised, Sean Lawson is back with me. He's the founder of Lawson's Finest Liquids in Vermont, which is a sponsor of this episode. So thank you, Sean. We talked about some upcoming specialty releases in the closer term, but let's push out the calendar a little bit more and talk about what's on tap for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Uh, We have the return of a summer favorite uh, from last year that we're pushing into the fall, our Super Session number 4, classic uh, centennial uh, with notes of uh, lemon and lime, and that'll be available this fall. And later in the year, we'll be bringing uh, to cans for the very first time, as well as draft, our Comet Super Session number three. We keep people confused by going in no particular order <laughs> I was with the say, numbers, yeah. but the beers were born of a, uh initial series that I brewed in Warren, one through 12, each a single hop session IPA, and we brought them out in, uh, in no particular order, uh, just to keep people guessing. But the big uh, headliner for the year uh, is a beer that we've never uh, had out in distribution before, uh, and that is the the crown jewel of our Sunshine family, the Triple Sunshine, uh, a triple IPA coming in at 10.5% alcohol featuring uh, double dry hopping twice uh, and just uh, an amazing bouquet of any type of tropical or stone fruit you could name uh, is packed into that beer with a nice uh, full body, a little bit sweet finish, uh, and uh, a little bit dangerous at uh, 10.5%. Well, thanks, Sean. That's awesome. There's a, a lot to look forward to before 2021 comes to an end. And you can learn more about these beers and find out when exactly they're going to drop by checking out the brewery's website, which is lawsonsfinest.com. And of course, following them on all of the various social media channels to keep up with all of the current events happening around the brewery. Sean, thanks again so much for doing this and thanks for the support of the show. Thank you, John. 
Also check out Steal This Beer every Monday, the BYO Nano podcast on the 15th of every month and the Beer Edge podcast. You know the deal, Mitch Weber. He does our music and Jeff Quinn designed the logo. I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.